Re is a podcast brought to you by New Heights Church, a church located in Mission, BC, focused on being church with mission in mind. We acknowledge that we gather, live, play, and worship on the traditional, ancestral, and unceded territory of the Stolo First Nation. We are your hosts, Greg Elford and Jess Steffick, and this is the Re Podcast the prefix that hopes for more than we had before. I think I'm in the process of repenting. That I used to emphasize it too much about finding your calling, and I didn't give students the the difficult news of saying, you know, all of you are going to have dirty dishes and dusty floors, and some of you will even have dirty diapers. Uh, that too is part of your calling. It's not just the uh, dismantling the structures of, of racism or saving souls or whatever you hold as the, the ultimate great thing to do. Some of us have known what we wanted to do with our lives since the moment we could think for ourselves. Others of us flip-flop between different passions and ambitions as the years go on. Yet, for most, the questions of vocation and calling, what those terms mean and what they have to do with our life, is ongoing and ambiguous. Why am I here? What has God really created me to do? This question is not new. Thousands of years ago, the psalmists were asking the same thing. Show me your ways, Lord. Teach me your paths. Amidst shifting circumstances, reoriented ambitions, and sometimes unexpected changes in direction, many of us notice the majority of our time going towards tasks that seem ordinary or even mundane. Even if we're lucky enough to find ourselves working our dream job, There are still dishes that need to be done, floors that need to be swept, emails sent, and for some, diapers to be changed. Today, we're exploring the breadth of what a vocation can speak to. We turn to Gareth Brandt, a professor specializing in spiritual development who has taught and written on the subject of calling, vocation, and identity. Well, hey, Gareth, it's good to see you. We're outside. For those of you listening, you might hear some birds chirping, some cars passing by, but it's sure nice to see you in person. So thanks for being here. Um, In a second, I'm going to get you to introduce yourself, but just so the folks listening know, Gareth has been a a professor and a mentor for me throughout my years of schooling, and I admire his work and his, uh, the way he lives out what he believes and teaches. So Hoping that, I mean, knowing that's going to come through today. So thanks for agreeing. So anyways, enough of that rambling. Gareth, uh, how do you introduce yourself these days? What is meaningful for listeners to know about you? Well, it depends who I introduce myself for. <laughs> but my, my usual line is Gareth cycles to work to Columbia Bible College because that cycling to work is something unique that not everybody does. Uh, it's been 21 years of cycling to work to at Columbia. Right now I'm working from home, uh, which I also love. 
Uh, I'm introverted, and so I don't mind at all being physically uh, isolated. Uh, I do appreciate human connection. Uh, my most intimate human connections uh, are with uh, my partner Cynthia and I, who've been married for, uh, will be 36 years, and we have four uh, adult children and uh, one grandchild. And that uh, is the most important thing about me, perhaps. Uh, and yeah, I've had uh, Jessica in a, in a few classes. She's also been my teaching assistant. And so we have a mutual admiration society going. And uh, that's probably enough for, for today, I think. The other, other things may come up as we, as we converse. Well, I can imagine cycling to work has gotten a, a little easier if you're working at home. That's, uh, that's handy. Yes. <laughs> you just do one around the block, and then you're back. No, it's so, it's so great to meet you, and we're excited to hear a little bit about um, how you think about the topic we're taking on as, as a community this month, which uh, we're, we're describing as vocation, not vacation, but as vocation. And so we're wondering if you could give us a bit of a working definition uh, with which we could tackle the topic, sure. especially as it relates to some of the other words that sometimes get used <coughs> synonymously, but maybe take us in a bit different direction. Yeah, for sure. And, and that's really the most important thing when talking about this topic. Because the first thing that usually comes to people's minds when they hear the vocation, the word vocation is vo a vocational school, which is usually a school that gets you a job, as opposed to a liberal arts university, which makes you an educated bum. Um, Thanks. <laughs> sorry, Jessica. <laughs> um, but... but uh, the irony is vocation doesn't really at all equate with a job. And so unfortunately, that, has, that misuse of the word has skewed our working definition. Uh, vocation comes from the Latin, as some of our other words do, vocatio, which literally means calling. So it has to do with the voice. And so when people talk about calling, it's the same word as, as vocation. Uh, and that, of course comes with a lot of history as well and I may as well maybe I should just yeah we'd love a, a little bit put sure. it out there right away in that it used to be people that it was uh, to use a Catholic term monks to use a Protestant term missionaries it used to be that monks and missionaries had a calling or a vocation and the rest of us kind of supported them monetarily and prayed for them and so on because uh, I've heard I don't think I've ever heard the story of somebody who was a pastor and then felt called to be a computer salesperson. But I've heard it many times the other way around, that I am doing something else, and then I, but I feel called to go into the ministry. Uh, and that's really, a, I, I would say, a misuse of the word vocation, is to kind of make two different sets of, of criteria. So it, it just literally means we're, we're called. Uh, it's something that we're called to. Uh, I could also talk about the two levels of calling. Yeah, I think that would um, be helpful. Like That was going to be my next question is, um, if we were approaching this term called, like called by who, to what, like help us think through some of the nuance of what calling means. Is that, is that a Christian term? Is that something everyone would relate to? How do you think about that? Yeah, um, because I work at a Christian college, my experience is in the Christian world, so I can't really speak to it from broader. 
Um, but uh, the primary calling of the Christian is to follow Christ. That is all of our call. That's kind of, we could say it's a general call to all uh, people who want to follow Jesus is. That's our primary calling. Uh, and then our, what's sometimes called the secondary or specific calling is how do I, with my unique set of circumstances and gifts and personality, how do I uniquely follow Christ? Uh, and that's usually what we think of when we think of calling. But you always have to have that first calling first. I think Os Guinness said it in his old classic book called The Call. Uh, he said, if you don't have the primary calling first, then the secondary button doesn't matter. So I think that order needs to needs to be clear. Yeah, let, can we unpack that just a little bit? So if I'm a follower of Jesus, my primary calling, so that's foundational for me discovering, and I guess that's where we're going in our topic today, where, where we're discovering how that secondary calling uh, emerges. Is, is that kind of up for grabs, like in, in any sphere of life, or is that something that we're sort of, um, that we, we need to think in terms of how we're contributing to the church. Yeah, yeah, and it isn't just about contributing to church. I think it's contributing to the, the reign of God in a broader sense. And so that's why I think calling refers to not only how we are involved in church and not only our job that we do, that we get, that we do every day during our waking hours. It refers to work. Most definitely work is included in our calling but I would say it also includes our playing. Uh, it also includes our learning. And it also includes our loving or our relationships. These things are all part of our, our unique uh, calling. Uh, even if we usually think of it as relating specifically to uh, a job or employment or those sorts of things. But I think it's much deeper and broader. I really appreciate, sorry, sorry, I know we're wanting to get on to other questions, but I love the holistic nature with which you're talking about it, that it isn't one lens that we look through that kind of colors everything, but that it's, that there's opportunity for it to touch down in multiple different areas of our life. Um, yeah, I'll be interested to hear more about that as we go along yeah. here. Even sleeping, for that matter, is part of our calling. Hmm. And of course, we sleep for one third of our lives, so... Hey, it's yeah. pretty significant chunk of time. Yeah. <laughs> I'm kind of interested to know, uh, perhaps we have some listeners tuning in and wondering why on earth we're talking about this or what the point is to understand kind of these different levels of calling and different ways that it takes shape in our lives. Why would you say that this is an important kind of thing to understand or an important uh idea to wrap our minds around and then maybe do something about right I guess. why are we talking about this because <laughs> uh, you asked me to <laughs> uh, <laughs> good answer and i i feel uh i feel strong enough that i uh proposed a course at columbia bible college based on this question uh it's called spiritual formation and discernment the discernment refers to vocation uh and i think uh if more people uh, thought about this, I think it would not only enhance their lives, but enhance the life, of, enhance the witness of the church, and enhance the shalom of, of all people and all creation. Uh, that's really what I think what God wants from us as a church is we are the primary witnesses of what God wants to do in the world. Mm. Uh, and each of our vocations are, in a sense, a, a participation in what God is 
doing and what God is about. So when we talk about this with friends maybe that aren't part of the church and they talk about a, a vocation or how they have a passion that when they do this particular sort of thing, um, it really kind of brings out the best in them or they feel like it's a hand mm. in glove sort of experience. Do you think there's there's something uh, that that we have in common there or is when when it's when there's a foundation of first submitting yourself to Jesus and then allowing Jesus to shape what you want to be passionate about. It, like how, how would you, art is there a difference worth articulating there? Do you think, or is, are we coming at it just from different, different yeah. ends? Perhaps we're just providing language for what might be universal for all people, I think. And that is part of, I think our, uh, our Christian witness is to give language for what is going on in everybody's life uh, and for human desires. And so, yes, I think all human beings want to be involved in something that's bigger than themselves in a sense. I'm, my vocation is to be involved in something that is much bigger than just me. I have only a small part. I have a limited gifts and I have other physical and mental limitations. Um, but I have a small part in God's bigger vocation, in a sense, uh, of God wanting to, to bring human flourishing to all of life. Yeah. I love this idea. It kind of feels like uh, calling and vocation is both a looking in and a reaching out kind of at the same time. This first level of uh, calling in being... I guess maybe you'll talk about that a bit more, but being in relationship with God, this looking in, and then it actually takes it a step further, though, and it's kind of like, what am I going to do about it? Mm -hmm. And that's equally mm -hmm. a, a calling, and sounds like, you know, if sleeping and eating and relationships are included, that can take a lot of shape. Yeah. So. In some senses, it's a luxury mm -hmm. to be able to reflect on this and think about it, to do interior work. Uh, when you're uh, deeply ill or uh, experiencing trauma or tragedy uh, such as uh, people in residential schools or people who are being bombed they don't have the luxury of reflecting on their calling it's it's pure survival mm -hmm. and so it is i think we have to acknowledge that it is something that is a privilege to reflect on uh, and yet i do believe in my idealism that God would like all people to be able to reflect on, on, on this and, and to, to become who God wants them to be. I think that's a great segue to, to chat about different life circumstances or maybe stages of life and how, um, how flexible this way of thinking about our own interior world or the way our interior world uh, expresses itself. Uh, in action, I guess, in relation to the rest of the world. Uh, when we think about folks that are, say, retired or, as you mentioned, people in crisis or people that um, have a lot of interior work to do just to feel like they've hit sort of a neutral plane to start thinking beyond, like, things that need to be put back together in them first, uh, how, do you, uh, how flexible is vocation to, to sort of weather the storms of life? Like, is it, do you think that a... a 18 year old 20 year old is wired a certain way that um because because we're connected to aspects of our personality or aspects of 
how we've been kind of put together. Is vocation something that, that won't change? Is it something that goes with us all the way through regardless? Uh, yes, and it's also fairly fluid. Um, like our analogies uh, only help so much, but it's like a river that runs through us. It's, it's moving and shaping and eroding the sides. And I think vocation, uh, yeah, some people may feel s- stuck in what they feel is their, is their calling. And again, that might be because they equate vocation with a particular job. Uh, you feel stuck in a partic- particular job. Uh, and that, uh, and there, uh, there's another wonderful full book that uses the different prepositions in addition to calling. So in other words, calling not only for and to, but also calling in. And I think that to me is a good word for those of us who find ourselves in circumstances that perhaps were not part of our life plan when we were 18. Um, and I've talked to a number of alumni uh, who have graduated from, from our college who find themselves, they have this grand idea of what, how they uniquely can serve God, and then they find themselves uh, washing dirty diapers and doing dishes uh, or something, or even attending to an ailing parent. And so that, that's where I believe calling is so important that it is not only a calling to certain things, but what is God's calling in this particular place where I am right now. Uh, Right now in Abbotsford, contemplating a few years away from now, I'm gonna retire. Uh, What is my calling in this particular place? Not just in some utopia in the the future or some golden years of the past, which happens when you get older. Mm -hmm. Then, okay, my vocation is done. Now what am I gonna do with my life? And I would say vocation is never done. Uh, it starts all in vocation is already for 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 children, and vocation is something on on your deathbed. Uh, See, I've so often I've I've paired this idea with my attitude, you know. So like my worldview, my attitude, or the paradigms with which I see the world, and like I I wonder does does attitude connect in this topic in a way where. When I'm in crisis, my vocation is is a foundational attitude I can come back to, or like I like the terminology you were saying, where I'm called into this situation, and there's actual like there's there's some comfort in knowing who I am, knowing how I'm made, and saying how does that express itself contextually in my current circumstance? Yes, is that a fair way to talk about it? Like I'd love to know how how attitudes kind of fit in there. Um, yeah, I'm sorry to throw it at you, but yeah, definitely, definitely, uh, and that's what I'm, uh, and, and I would say it's not that God calls me into suffering, but I am in suffering now. Uh, we could, you know, uh, try to d- discern why and all these sorts of things, but to me, that's not the most important question. The most important question is, what is my response in this particular circumstance that I have right now? Um, rather than theologizing about whether God or Satan or whoever, mm. you know, got me into this, uh, we are in it. So what is God's calling to me in this particular situation? It is my reality. Uh, now, how do I follow Jesus in this particular place, rather than lamenting of how it 
used to be or looking ahead to some way that's going to be better. Uh, and that's, that's, there's much interior emigration about us. Uh, especially when th things are difficult, we'd rather be somewhere else than we are. Uh, but I think God's calling to us is always in the present. And I think that even reinforces this idea that uh, it maybe doesn't have anything to do with what you're doing nine to five. It's this kind of grander vision. Uh, the, the thing that, I guess, I think you've said it already, Greg, the way that we are expressing what's within us. And that can take way more form than uh, primarily putting all our eggs in the basket of my nine to five job yes. being my calling, yes. which is really helpful. Uh, probably in any stage of life. I'm in the stage of life right now where I'm trying to figure out what the future utopia looks like and <laughs> yes. how I can get it now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, uh, and, yeah. And some people are fortunate enough to make a million dollars while they're doing everything they feel called to do. Uh, and others, and I, I have a son who's, who's an artist, uh, who knows he's going to be a struggling artist for the rest of his life. Mm. But that's more, it's more important to him to, to, to be who he is than to be wealthy. Um, and uh, so I, I think that's part of our calling. And yeah, and like our calling is our work, our play, our learning, and our loving. Uh, it's 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 more than the job and I, I can't emphasize that one enough you're listening to the repodcast today we're talking with Gareth Brandt who's giving us insight into how understanding our calling and vocation informs not necessarily what we do but how we do it which often includes the mundane and ordinary tasks of life. One of the like questions that's coming up for me is around the subjectivity of it. You know that um, this is something so personal that we we kind of have the final say on our own vocation. And yet, um, if I'm left to my own devices sometime and, and don't have community around me helping me sort out uh, what's coming from a healthy place, then I know that, that some of my subjective interpretations of what's going on in my own self-awareness are maybe not the best place to, to gather kind of um, something that I think could serve me the, for my whole life. And so I'm just curious about how to bring some objectivity into people having a healthy understanding of their own vocation. Have, have you th thought about that at all of like how to, I mean, I'm sure you have, but how, how to round out the subjectivity of how we see ourselves? Right. That's where the community is so important. Uh, for somebody who comes to me and says, God's calling me to this, Hmm. Let's 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 talk about that. Uh, I think uh, any any calling has to be processed in community, and unfortunately, it it too often is only callings to only certain types of callings are processed. But I think the the good church and your church people. So I'll challenge you. The good church would help everybody to discern their calling in life, 
how can I, as this kind of person, gifted in this way with these circumstances, best represent what God is doing in the world? Uh, and to me, as a pastor, I would want to encourage everybody uh, not to be worship leaders or teachers or whatever in the church, but I would want them to be who they are to represent God's witness in, in, in the world. And I think that's, and then the community becomes the, it may not be completely objective, but at least then you have that communal process. Uh, at the college, we have discernment sessions where graduating students invite kind of their closest uh, confidants into uh, a discernment group. Uh, and I think churches should do that for everybody in their congregation. Um, to have that kind of a, a circle uh, and perhaps to even do it periodically. That's, that's church. Yeah, it's so nice when you have someone from uh, the outside, I mean, as in not from inside your own head, speaking into things they're seeing in you, you definitely know? and seeing how your vocation is taking a different shape at a different season yeah that's that's thought-provoking for me appreciate that i'm wondering um if you can speak to calling and vocation as something um that those we talked about you know different stages of life uh like suffering or you know newly graduated or whatever it is i'm interested if you i'm interested uh, if you can speak to what that might be like with some, for someone with uh, no current nine to five job or right, uh, right. someone who's retired or kind of past that stage of grinding out uh, work. So how can you help us understand calling your vocation for someone who might be in that kind of situation? Right, right. Yeah, uh, I love the... Uh, uh, Jessica, you'll be familiar with this, uh, or you should be, because you read this book a few years ago. Uh, Sky Jethani's book, uh, Futureville, uh, articulates kind of three key words in helping to understand vocation. Uh, that people are here to cultivate order, uh, beauty, and abundance. And I think that, and then I, re I remember uh, we... I had another exercise where we listed a number of activities that could be jobs and other activities that weren't paid jobs that might be listed under each of each of those. Uh, for example, cultivating order. Sweeping your floors, doing the dishes, is contributing to order in the world. So is uh, working on a police force. So is uh, signing petitions for just laws. All of those contribute to order in the world. And signing a petition, as well as being a legislator. So these, as well as doing your dishes, they are all part of God's work of bringing order to the world. Um, uh, beauty. Uh, and the first thing we often think of is artists. And I always have a number of students who thank me that this beauty was included. Because often we think of beauty as being useless. Uh, and so, well, that pretty much makes all of creation useless. Because uh, unless you're a typical Westerner and needs, you know, we need to cut down trees to make houses because trees have no other value except to make a house. Well, perhaps just the beauty of looking at that tree, that tree even perhaps the tree has a particular vocation, if I can really stretch the <laughs> analogy. 
uh, of beauty as well as giving us oxygen. Um, and so artists contribute to, to beauty in, in, in the world. Uh, dressing your children uh, contributes to, to, to beauty in, in the world. Uh, abundance is the, is the third word. And again, the, the, the most immediate example that might come to mind is that of somebody who runs a business. You are contributing to the flourishing, giving people jobs um, and uh, uh, earning an income that can be distributed and helping people to live, to live well. Because uh, too often uh, we think of scarcity rather than abundance. Uh, and I, I don't think, uh, I, I'm, I'm not a proponent of the prosperity gospel. Uh, but I do believe, John 10.10, 10, that God wants to give us a abundant an abundance of life uh, God's will is that all would have enough to eat and to live well and so people who grow a garden are contributing to abundance uh, even if that may not even feed you for more than a week um, and those who work in larger agricultural enterprises would be contributing to to abundance so there's a, f a few kind of earthy examples of how people contribute to calling in smaller activities as well as perhaps uh, larger uh, jobs as well. Does that, does that help? Totally. I'm just thinking, yeah, making that call to someone that you haven't heard from in a while. If you're, you know, I think of my grandma who just like makes the rounds and calling everyone in the family. And I think in many ways it, that contributes to order and beauty and abundance mm -hmm. um, for her busy family that, I doesn't think to to call mm -hmm. so I I I appreciate that as someone who's not quite at that stage of life um, but who has been in other capacities I just think when I've been injured and couldn't walk for a little bit or and and how useless I felt but how wishing I had that idea or that that knowledge then because it would have maybe made that time a bit more uh, healing than hurtful yes Yes, too often our view of vocational success is productivity. And that's the lie of our Western uh, technocratic industrial society. Um, it's not a biblical concept. Um, God is all about time. And, uh, you know, there's that verse, God, for, for God a thousand years is like a day and a day is like a thousand years. Uh, for us, we're always the tyranny of the urgent. Uh, man, I, I think especially in older age, and I find myself already, I'm slowing down. I, I, can't, I can't even work full time anymore uh, because of my own mental health struggles. Uh, and, I've, you know, I'm not as productive as I used to be. But especially in older years, I think it's important for us to realize that vocation, our vocation might be to slow down. Mm -hmm. Uh, and that also can be a contrib contribution to others who are younger and much more energetic and are more productive and help them to practice the very basic discipline of Sabbath. Um. I was going to say, I was like, <laughs> Sabbath has got to be a, a sign that, you know, God doesn't just value productivity, but actually asks us to trust that things are going to be okay, that the crop's going to be okay if we leave it for mm, a day. Exactly. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's the profundity of, of Genesis 1, is that the most important day was not day 6, it's day 7, when 
God didn't do a thing. That's also our vocation. Um, I love the framework that you've given us with those three categories to think through. And, and I'm curious, is that, is that how you would point people toward sort of assessing whether they've landed in their vocation? It's almost like if you're seeing fulfillment that connects to these three ways and a personal fulfillment that, that you can measure as something like, wow, that really is purposeful for yeah. me or that's really landed for me. Is that a way to think about whether or not you're you're on the right track? Yeah, there's there's other words obviously uh, that that can be used. I don't think those three are inspired uh, in the uh, biblical sense, uh, but they are in the general sense. And so I think it's one grid that we that we can use. Uh, I often also think of just one word is how am I contributing to God's shalom, which I don't translate as peace, but as human or as flourishing. Uh, all, all creation flourishing. That's how am I contributing to human flourishing? Um, and I, 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 one of my vocations is to encourage other people in their vocations. Uh, I have a number of friends in the uh, construction industry, and I, I love it when one of my friends thought of himself as, you know, puts up drywall and houses. He was a drywaller. That's all I do. I said, what about what you do gives you a deep satisfaction? He said, when I look back and see that everything is square and plumb, and it just, and I said, that is what you're here on earth for. Uh, and I think that once we realize that what we do, whether it's our job or other activities, is part of God's work of human flourishing, then we begin to be transformed in how we do those things. Well, that, that's really helpful because it's, it takes on a new momentum and your, your vocation is being fed kind of by, by the very thing that you're stepping into. Yeah, yeah. I could see that. I'm not just putting up drywall. I'm providing shelter for human beings, which is a basic need, which, which contributes to their order and their abundance. It's part of something bigger. Mm. What about people that are kind of overthinking it, where they, or maybe using it as an excuse to not um, do things they don't want to do? You know, like, have you ever met, I'm, I'm sure working with students, there has to have been one along the way that isn't called to do their homework or isn't called <laughs> to the library. You know, I'm more of a people person. I don't really like to, to do academics. Yes. You know, so uh, is it, how do you... I think you get what I'm asking. When, when someone uses vocation as an excuse to get out of things that are sort of common expectations given the circumstance, how, like, how is that a misuse of what we're talking about here? Yeah, that's, that's why I go back to the uh, phrase about doing the dishes. I love uh, Shane Claiborne's, I think it's Shane Claiborne's, Shane Claiborne's quote, uh, everybody wants a revolution, nobody wants to do the dishes. In other words, everybody wants to have their wonderful calling where they change people's lives, blah, 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 which is actually what God does anyway. Um, but don't want to do the, the basic accounting that needs to be done for an organization if you have an organization. Uh, and so I think to help people to realize that even the little nitty-gritty things and the administrators who sit behind them in an office are also contributing to the larger. Um, and so I, I would hope it would be an encouragement to those people and also perhaps a bit of a 
come down a little bit from your pedestal for some of the people who are are, are very enthusiastic and and so on. So I think to help all of us to see we're all part of this same thing. Um, yeah, I think that's and and I, and I actually have re, I think I think I'm in the process of repenting that I used to emphasize it too much about finding your calling and I didn't give students the the difficult news of saying, you know, all of you are going to have dirty dishes and dusty floors and some of you will even have dirty diapers. Uh, that too is part of your calling. It's not just the uh, dismantling the structures of, of racism or saving souls or whatever you hold as the, the ultimate great thing to do. Oh, I like speak, speaking as a parent of three young kids. <laughs> You've and done like, your share of dirty dishes and uh, dirty diapers. Well, and my, and my wife has done her share for sure, which um, Jess got a plug-in for Grandma, so I'll put a plug-in for my wife. <laughs> so I think both of them probably listen. But, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's so refreshing, though, to paint the picture a little bit differently to say that we're all contributing to something that matters more than our individual kind of time-bound expectation of what our life should look like at this stage and when there's something bigger like that calling you i could see how that sounds like some pretty good news yeah it's like to use a bible verse uh, colossians 3 17 whatever you do Uh, and i love martin luther's list martin luther tends to be fairly fairly crass Um, and he had a wonderful line i don't know if i'll get it exactly about the maid sweeping the floor and the father uh, washing dirty diapers and the brewer brewing good beer. Uh, as a good German, he had to include that one. Of course. Uh, <laughs> um, but kind of the earthiness is what he was emphasizing. And to me, that's what I see as part of my calling is to help people understand the earthiness of call. It's not just these lofty grand ideals. It's the earthy, ordinary stuff is part of our calling. It almost feels like you got to keep your feet on the ground to be able to step into the the more complex parts of what you'll be asked to do with your life. Yeah. If you're if you're removed and on a pedestal, you, yeah, you're less useful. Yeah. Yeah. Like to speak of my own vocation, that's why for me to to dig in the dirt in my garden in my yard for a few months of the year is not just good therapy from academics, but it's a good balance. Um, and if I ever write my spiritual memoirs, it's going to be called Hands in the Dirt, Head in the Clouds. Because hmm. uh, to me, that, that's the, the, the tension that I, that I feel. Uh, and I feel like I'm in my mo- vocation in both places. What would you say to the person who is tracking with us, but they just feel like their hands are always in the dirt and hmm. they're not really sure how to be in the clouds? Is there any kind of guidance or encouragement you can offer? that dirt is closer to the clouds than you think. Mm. If by clouds you mean the sanctity and holiness and closeness to God. Mm. That's, to me, that's the mystery of the incarnation, is Jesus came to be human. Uh, The root word of human human is humus, dirt. That's also Genesis, uh, Genesis 2. We're made of soil. Adama is not the male human being, Adama, is earthling. We're all earthlings made of dirt. Uh, And so that is the only place we can be holy and cloudy and sanctified or whatever other holy words I could 
think of. <laughs> that is actually our holiness. You know, I've been th sitting, listening um, to the things you're saying, really appreciating it, and thinking about um, as a parent, and you know, just can't help but do it these days. And in particular, my three-year-old son, Rudy, has Down syndrome. We certainly don't define him that way, but it is a reality where some of the development in him looks different than um, our neurotypical other two kids. And, and so when we think about vocation for Rudy, we're just a bit, um, it's difficult to know how to, like how, how to wrap our heads around as a parent um, helping someone discover and we don't know the, the spectrum of how, how um, able Rudy will be in, in different areas of life. But I, it just kind of brings up the question of when, uh, on behalf of people we care about, how do we foster uh, their vocation mm. um, when they maybe don't have the capacity to do it for themselves? Yeah, yeah that's a, a good question. And my father is at the other end of the spectrum, descending into dementia. And I think it's it's the 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 young and the old who are most vulnerable uh, in our in our population that perhaps teach us the deepest things about vocation, um, and that vocation isn't about production, uh, and uh, vocation is about flourishing and the, the the flourishing of human beings and the flourishing of all creation, and I think your your son. Uh, with his mere presence. And I say, all you have to do to fulfill your vocation is to exist. Mm. Um, and uh, I think people, just by being, and vocation is about being, not about doing. Anyway, we're human beings, not human doings. And uh, so I think articulation helps if you're able to articulate a vocation. But at the same time, I think all people... Uh, have a vocation whether they can articulate it or not. And perhaps even more important than articulating vocation is affirming vocation. And I think you can affirm your son and I can affirm my father that they are valuable in their moment, in this right now. Uh, just by being, they are forming us, in a sense, uh, and contributing to God's flourishing in the world. Yeah, I hear that and appreciate it and um, love the sensitivity of finding such value in uh, the stage of life your father's in and what, you, what you're speaking on behalf of our son. Um, undoubtedly, there's a difference between someone who is aware that they're living in their vocation and making choices that reflect that versus someone that is in a stage of life where their living of their vocation is something that's instructional to those around them. And maybe that's, maybe that's the point. Mm -hmm. is, is that, it is. Yeah. Yep. I can't say it any better than you just said it. All right. Well, uh, <laughs> you got it. Oh, great. <laughs> you, you passed my exam. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think that's probably a really great place to stop. And, um, despite saying I'm going to stop, it just sounds like this holistic invitation to see something bigger going on that we're all contributing to together mm -hmm. is, is a really beautiful vision for the way to see the kingdom landing yeah. on earth. Yeah. I, yeah, I really appreciate yeah. that. Well, thank you so much for inviting us onto your patio here in your backyard and, uh, yeah, and inviting us into your vocation. My really pleasure. My pleasure. Even though I kind of invited us onto your property, but <laughs> thanks for having us. <laughs> I'm excited about that. Awesome. Right on. 
Thank you for listening, and a very special thanks to Gareth Brandt for his time and expertise. Thank you to our silent sponsor and our very supportive church community, New Heights Church. Join us again in two weeks when the re-podcast continues on the topic of calling and vocation. This has been episode 17 of the re-podcast, the prefix that hopes for more than we had before.